play for you guys today to start off. But I'm going to hit shuffle and see where it takes us. And here we begin. I'm rolling. If you guys are Partially functional, half of me is comfortable, the other half is close to the cliff, like Mrs. Huxtable. These boys got them hosts and clips, they pack like lunchables, like white boys in grade school, while we ate school made food. Just iron they shit, wish I was trying they shit. Knowing when mama hit the stove, she wasn't buying that shit. No, I ain't crying a bit. Man, that's just like that's how that shit work. You reach your hand to fire, you pull it back when you get burnt. Gotta learn when you get hurt, even if it's with you. He beat you and you went back. He's officially stupid, oh yeah, I understand that's your man, you had a plan, you've been together for some years, you speaking with him for the kids, so you overlook the tears, but we both know that's a bad look, 20 years from now your daughter probably get her ass whooped, look, if this too deep for the intro, I'll find another use, but just in case it's perfect, let me introduce, Come. let's introduce the Super Junior Podcast episode 3 by you know who, Wade Green, um, Yes, this is Wade, the Super Junior Podcast, Episode 3. Welcome back. Thank you guys for listening again. Ooh, it's been a long week, been a long week, been a long week. Ugh, where to start, where to start, where to start? I don't know where to start this week. Let's start with this. How are you guys doing this week? I hope you guys had an enjoyable week, very profitable week. My servers out there, hope you guys made all the money in the world. Hope you guys made that $10,000 tip like that girl made. Yeah, I hope you guys had a great week this week, everyone, not just servers, but particularly my servers. I know it's a long time for you guys. Ugh, I know it could be long days, especially the weekends and those servers, but I'm going to get through it. Me, I had a I had a decent week. Can't complain. Um, I had to do a lot of schoolwork. Still looking for a new job, but you know, things will happen. Things will turn out great, but... Gotta keep a positive mindset, keep looking forward, keep chugging on forward. Oh, it's been a lot of things, a lot of things that happened this week. Can I ask you, why do people today? I was in the computer lab trying to like finish some homework, and the lights were off because like I went in, like I like to just be in darkness sometimes, just do my work in the dark. Do my work. This girl comes in, she turns on the light. I'm like, yo. I was pissed off because she turned off the light in the first place. But then she turns on the light, and then she leaves like two minutes later, but doesn't turn off the light. I'm like, yo, you're just going to walk out and not turn off the light? Like, who does that? Who walks into a room, turns on the light, and walks out? Like, I swear to God, someone did that to me. Someone, like, if I knew her, I would fight her. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we're going to have to fight. Of course, I want to hit a girl, but I'm just saying, we're going to have to fight. Don't walk into my, don't walk into a room that I was sitting comfortably in, turn on the light, Stay for two minutes and then walk out and not turn back off the light. Like, come on now. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Enough of my week. I had a great week. I hope you guys had your, a great week yourselves. Let's get started with today's, with this week's topic, all right? Well, sorry with the, tonight, oh my God, why, why do they have the Bills and New England Patriots on the Monday Night Football? Like, it's a terrible game. Like, it's field goals everywhere. The Patriots, thank God I was, like, destroying people in my fantasy week this week because if I had to depend on the Patriots' defense, and, I mean, the defense is doing good, 
but I was depending on their running back. I think Kenyon Barner, and he has done anything. I think he has four yards so far. I'm just like, thank God I'm destroying whoever I'm facing in my fantasy week. I don't want to face Mike. I'm not going to tell you guys, but <laughs> thank God I'm destroying them. But since we in the NFL, I started out with NFL. Let's get to it. Let's talk about the New York teams first. I know I'm not a Giants fan, but the Giants, every week I come back and I talk about the Giants, I'm just like, damn. I, I'm, let, me, let me leave Eli alone because it's just becoming unfair me saying every week that this man sucks. But let me remind you, Eli, man, it sucks. Let's remind you guys. So this week, Giants lost this weekend, if you guys didn't know. They lost 20 to 13 to the um Redskins when they should have lost like 20 to 6. But Eli Manning, once again, second week in a row, garbage time TDs. And people look at his stats and like, oh my God, like we were almost there. No, no, you weren't. You were never there. But but what someone I want to talk about is on the Redskins is Adrian Peterson. I am fully impressed by Adrian Peterson. Like I thought he was done, but this man, Adrian Peterson. He had 149 yards and he had a couple and he had some receiving yards as well. He did a great, great job. I wasn't expecting that for Adrian Peterson. He showed up and I'm proud that he's like still like a viable back. Like I hope like backs get to stay running backs get to stay in the league longer than like just past their 30th birthday. Like it seems like every running back they they well owners and management are saying like hey after 30 years after your, after your 30th birthday you like your value decreases and I'm glad Asian Peters is still showing like hey after 30 I could still get the job done but going back to the Giants this week after being well now they're one and seven they were one and six before and this week they started to like start cleaning house they traded away Eli Apple for a fourth round pick to the Saints they traded away Damian Snacks Harrison who used to be a Jet I was mad when the Jets got rid of him or let him go to the Giants. I was pissed off about that. But now he left. He got traded to the Lions for a fifth-round pick. My only thing is, when the hell are they going to get rid of Eli Manning? Like, I know after the game, Pat Sherman was just talking, and he was saying, like, oh, like, everyone's going to get reevaluated during this bye week because the Giants are on the bye week coming up, so they're not going to play next week. I hope, I just hope that they're going to sit down Eli Manning and put one of their backup QBs in. Put the Kalolela in. I don't know how to say his name, so if I said it wrong, make fun of me. I don't care. Um, Kalolela, la la la. I don't know. La 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 la. I don't know how to say his name, but Kalolela. He's supposed to be a good quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He's supposed to be one of the, a mobile, more mobile. Anyone's more mobile than um, Eli Manning, but he's supposed to be a mobile quarterback. You get around the pocket. He's not supposed to be like some like, franchise-saver-type quarterback. But I think get a younger person in there. Like, if you if I'm the Giants, I would want to get a younger person in there. Like, you know your line struggles. So why don't you do something to help your line? Get a quarterback in there that can that's a little more mobile, that can, like, move the pocket. Like, Eli Manning looks... I'm not going to keep saying it, but Eli Manning looks done. I'm not going to be mean and keep saying that he sucks. I'm just going to say he looks done. And he looked done since 2013. And if you if, if I see him in the game next week, I'm definitely gonna say that this nigga is. I'm sorry if we call him a nigga, but <laughs> I'm just gonna say that he needs to be benched. Like he just needs to be benched. He doesn't need to be on the on the field anymore. He just needs to be sitting on the sideline teaching Kyle Lalella how to throw to Odell Beckham Jr. and how to beat how to man the offense. He needs to just be a mentor to the younger quarterbacks right now. 
in this stage of his career. And I don't, I think everyone, I don't want people to think like, oh, like I put it all on Eli Manning. I understand the fact that Eli Manning, like his offense line sucks. I'm not saying his offense line is like great. His offense line sucks. They gave him seven sacks on Sunday. But also, Eli Manning was terrible in the red zone. He gave up, like he didn't put the ball into the end zone until the, like the final minutes of the game. And it makes it look like he did something when he really didn't. So when you get into the red zone, you can't settle for field goals, Eli. And the offensive line does suck. I do get that. So if you know your offensive line sucks and you know your quarterback is limited, why not put someone in who can move the pocket, who can extend plays, who can, who's more mobile? It's at the end of the day. Like, I'm not saying Eli. I am saying Eli, man, sucks as a quarterback, and I don't think he can play anymore. But maybe if he's in the right situation, like I said, if he goes to Jacksonville, like, maybe he could resurrect his career and could with Tom Coughlin and move on to another, get another ring. We'll see. But I don't think that's going to happen because he said he's not going to waive his no trade clause. So I guess he's just going to be a New York Giant, retired Giant. But like I said, the Giants suck with him in the in the game. And I think the Giants need to move on for him. Moving on to my Jets. Lord, 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 Lord. I don't know what to say about my Jets anymore, man. We lost this weekend to the Bears. 24-10, to we lost to the Bears. But... We, and we also signed a wide receiver, Rashad Matthews, from the Titans. He's supposed to – like, he, I know he wanted to leave the Titans because they, he felt like he wasn't being used properly under the, in the Titans system. I don't know. That's not my business. I don't know. I have to read more up on that. But I do know that Jets do need some wide receivers because Quincy Nuwan, like, him and Sam Darnold had a good rapport in the beginning of the season, but all of a sudden, like, they really don't have a good rapport right now. Like, I haven't really heard Quincy Nuwa's name called. Uh, Robbie Anderson's dealing with some injuries. The Jets wide receiver core in general is just really dealing with a lot of injuries. And I don't really like what I'm seeing from Sam Darnold. And I'm not being, like, a Monday morning quarterback because it's Monday night, so it can't be Monday morning quarterback. But um, I don't think that Sam Darnold... Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, Sam Darnold, he, he's the future of the Jets. Like, why do you think he's the future of the Jets? Can I give you some stats on Sam Darnold? Just looking at the game against the Bears, his completion percentage was 48.3%. 153 yards and one touchdown. And he has no interceptions. I, I need a round of applause. Come on, guys. Clap for this man. He finally did not get an interception in this game. I'm happy for him. And then, But then you look at his stats from last week. It's two bad weeks in a row. Last week he played the Vikings. He had a completion percentage of 40, 40.5%. And he had a 206 yards that game, one touchdown, and you know, three interceptions. So what I'm seeing from Sam Darnold is that he gives up. How can I put this? You see flashes of him being might being able to like lead the offense and be our franchise quarterback, but he does turn the ball over a lot. And I see and I hear Jets fans always talking like, oh. Like, I wish the Jets would, like, let him play more. Todd Bowles is holding him back. Like, no, Todd Bowles is, like, he sees him in practice. Like, you got to trust what he sees in practice. And I think he sees that he struggles, like, with turning the football over. Like, this year he has 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. 10 interceptions is way too much. And a lot of the interceptions he throws, they're not good ones. It's not like, uh, like the receiver dropped it and he got intercepted. He just throws it to the other team. And I don't want to see that. I want to see my, my quarterback grow. I want to see Sam Darnold, like, take control of the offense. 
obviously I want to see the offense look like open up the playbook more and let them because the Jets. I can't even watch a, a Jet game. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's the most boring thing to watch because they're bad and they look bad. It's some teams that like they're they're bad, but they don't look bad. They look like oh wow, they have a little excitement. There's a little like pizzazz to that team. There's no pizzazz to the the, the Jets. The Jets look they they're bad and they look bad at the end of the day. They just look bad. The only bright spot I can say about the Jets so far this year, I, you can say Sam Darnold, but one thing I really do like, one is Leonard Williams. Like, Leonard Williams, we need some more people. Like, I feel like we're wasting Leonard Williams' talent because if we had, like, better pieces on the defense around Leonard Williams, I feel like the J- Leonard Williams would be could be a star. Like, I'm not saying he could be like Aaron Donald, but he could be, he could be, like, he could be a good star. He could be a great um, defensive lineman in this league. But one bright spot for the team is the fact that I think we finally found a damn tight end. We've been looking for a tight end for God knows how long. We thought Jay Samara was going to be the tight end for us. He wasn't that. Dustin Keller, Dustin Keller was nice. Him and him and uh, Mark Sanchez, that little connection, that was dope. But, you know, Mark Sanchez was never consistent with it. But I'm happy with the tight end. We, I see now he scored a touchdown in three straight games. Chris Herndon. I think he's a great – he could be one of those, like, a safety net for Sam Donald. He's obviously having a good rapport with him, especially since his rapport is struggling with um, Anuwa and Robbie Anderson's out. It's good that he has that, that nice connection with Chris Herndon. And Herndon is a good tight end I could see us, like, using in the, in the future. He's a great – he's a good tight end. I like him. But Jets fans in general, like, I just feel like they're setting themselves up for disappointment because – like, if you look at the games and you think, like, oh, like, the Jets have a chance to win, like, stop thinking that. Like, the Jets don't have a chance to win. Like, if you just go into the game and just look at it for what it is, like, it's just a game. Like, look at it. Look at this. Look and see what the, if the team is improving week by week. And if, like, they're showing, like, a fight and a want to and a desire to, like, compete. If they're competing every week, I feel like then you can, like, that's what you judge it on. You don't judge it off wins. The New York teams in general, let me just tell you. New York teams in general. I'm just going to tell you right now. As servers, you will understand this. New York team in general. The Giants, the Jets, the Mets, the Nets. Those are the teams I care about. But the Giants, the Jets, the Mets, and the Nets. There's no reason why any New Yorker should be going into a game looking at those scenes and saying, oh, wow, like they didn't win. I'm disappointed. You knew they weren't going to win. I knew that the Jets weren't going to win this year. The Knicks, I know they're not going to win this year. Like the reason why I watch the Knicks is just to see like if they're improving, if they are sh- like they're showing some passion when they play. That's the same thing I'm looking for as a Jet fan. I'm a Jet and a Knicks fan. So when I see those two teams play, all I want to see is if they're competing every single every single game and giving their all. And I want to see if any players are like worth keeping for the future. And I also the only team we really need to be comparing like worrying about wins and losses is the New York Yankees. That's the only team that New York fan should be worrying about for wins. Like the Yankees should be winning. Like this past season, they should have won the ring. I'm really mad that the Boston Red Sox won, but we'll get to that later. But that's the only team anyone should be that should have had that anger of like, oh, we didn't win. Like, we didn't win type anger. I, I compare it to in the serving world, honestly. It's like 
Don't get mad. I am black. But when a black table comes into my into my section, what I taught myself is I don't expect anything. Like I don't expect anything when it comes to a tip. I don't expect anything because if you get your hopes up thinking like, oh, like if I give this table my best service, they're gonna give me a great tip. No, you're not. Nine times out of ten, if you get a black table, I'm sorry, I'm black. Most times, black tables are not gonna give you a good tip. So if you go into the situation not expecting much, and then you get a good tip. Then you'd be excited. But if you don't get a good tip, don't you won't be like angry about it and be like, oh, those fucking black people didn't give me a good tip. No, you should have known better thinking that a black tip was gonna give you a good tip. Some no, don't don't get me misconstrued. I'm a good tip, like I'm black and I because I'm a server, I do give good tips. And I know a bunch of tables that have black people in it that have given me good tips. So it's not with everyone, but uh, the majority of the time, you may not get a good tip. So think of it in a service sense. Don't go in with high expectations. When you're looking at the Knicks, when you're looking at the Jets, when you're looking at the Mets, when you're looking at the Nets, don't go in with high expectations. And I think the Rangers too. Like I don't really follow hockey, but I think the Rangers too are like not like trying to win right now. They're trying to build for the future. Like just don't don't go with expectations. Just let it be, and whatever happens, happens. And then if you do get if you do win, you win and you're happy. If you do lose, just look at the bright spots of it. That's all I think of. But that's just me. I'm just giving you some head warning because I'm listening to talk radio. And I'm hearing Jets fans complain, or I'm hearing um, like radio analysis announcers complain about how the Jets are playing. I'm like, yo, you really thought the Jets were gonna win this year? Come on now. Like you're you're setting yourself up for for failure. Come on now. This. Let it go, move on. Just like the Buccaneers need to let go and move on from. <laughs> oh my God, Jameis Winston. Oh Lord, have mercy. Yesterday, Sunday night, the Bengals beat the Buccaneers by a score of 37 to 34. It was an interesting game. The Bengals' defense sucks. Let's just get that out of the way. Besides the fact that Andy Dalton chokes in big games, the Bengals' defense sucks. And that's what everyone needs to get to do. They had the Bengals even sucks. <laughs> get that out of the way. So does Buccaneers defense, but the Bengals even sucks. I thought the Bengals even better than this, but clearly they regressed a lot. So we're going to have to see what they were able to do because you can't trust Andy Dalton in the playoffs to lead that team. And if the defense is not playing on to par, like you, they might as well just stay home <laughs> in um, December when the playoffs start because you know you're going to get eliminated and – you know Marvel's gonna keep his job afterwards. But going back to the Buccaneers, Buccaneers, they lost the game, last second field goal by the Bengals after they came back and tied the game. But Jameis Winston that game played horrendous. Like let me let, let me tell you, horrendous. His stats: he had two hundred seventy six yards, he had one touchdown and four, not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions in that game. You also had a completion percentage of 51.4% and a QB rating of 47.7. Um, terrible. That's just, I, I don't know what to say anymore about James Winston, but he's playing terrible. I, I don't want to say that James Winston needs to leave. Yeah, he, he needs to leave Florida. He needs to get the hell out of Tampa Bay. He needs a fresh start somewhere else. I don't know. Go if you want to go. I don't know where what team he could go play for. If 
Pat Shermer, if he thinks he can like help him out, because the only real problem I think with Jameis Winston, besides the off the field stuff, is the fact that he just turns the ball over. He just turns the ball over way too much, like way too much. Like on a season, let's look at his season stats. He has sixty five. He has sixty five percent completion percentage. He has six touchdowns and ten interceptions with a QB rating of seventy seven point four. He has ten interceptions. You do know this man missed three games, right? He missed the first three games of the season. He has ten interceptions. He has the same number of interceptions as Sam Donald, the rookie. Like I understand Jameis Winston. He wants to like he thinks he can make every throw. He thinks he could fit the ball into tight windows. But at the same time, you have receivers like Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. Got OJ Howard on the team. You need to like take care, better care of the ball, and get to the get the ball in the hand. You play because don't do too much. Like I understand he's trying to like win the game and do whatever he can to like get to get an advantage. But at the same time, he just needs to be more mindful of the fact that you need to protect the ball, and that's priority number one. And it doesn't seem like it's priority number one all the time to James Winston. So I say he needs to get get if he's not gonna. I'm not gonna say get out of Florida, but I just think he needs a, a fresh start. He doesn't need to be in Tampa Bay no more. I would say him maybe on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I don't know if he would like if there's an offensive coordinator there in Jacksonville that would like prevent those type of turnovers. Because you know Blake Bortles turning the ball over. That's because that's because he sucks. But Blake Bortles he does turn the ball over, so he doesn't. You don't see that being curtailed there. Maybe to the Giants. Would it, but would the Giants want him as their quarterback? Who knows? Would Pat Shermer, can Pat Shermer really fit his problem with like taking too many chances? That would be the question they had to ask. But I don't think he needs to be in Tempe anymore. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think he needs to be there anymore. But after his first, fourth interception in that game against the Bengals this, sun, this past Sunday... Um, he was benched for Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Fitzmagic. And Fitzpatrick, he led the team back to tie the game with like a minute left in the fourth quarter. And he hit the um, two-point conversion. And Fitzpatrick this year, I think he just needs to start the rest of the season for the Buccaneers. I will leave James Winston on the bench, especially after they said that if he gets hurt, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to pay him $21 million. Like, yeah, that nigga sitting on the bench. Same thing they did to RG3. Sit that man on the bench. Man, he, he don't need to play. James Winston's not worth all that. I just think James Winston, he just needs a fresh start. But Fitzpatrick, his stats this year, he has a 73.3 completion percentage, 194 yards, two touchdowns, 159.9 QB, QB rating. That was his stats um, in the past game against the Bengals. For the whole season, his completion percentage is 68.1. He has 13 passing touchdowns. And five interceptions on the year. I'm not saying, like, we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick. He ain't the greatest. He's not, like, a world beater. He's not a franchise quarterback. But he's someone that can, like, hold down the spot until you find that franchise quarterback. And I thought James Winston was that, but apparently he's not. And I feel like they just need to move on. And one person I am proud of, and it seems like they figure it out, is Cam Newton, you know. Cam Newton had a great game against the Baltimore Ravens. He Baltimore Ravens has basically the best defense in the league. Like we saw what they did a couple weeks ago to the Tennessee Titans. I think they had like eleven or twelve sacks against Marcus Mariota. I know Tennessee Titans are not the same as the Carolina Panthers, but still to get eleven, I think eleven or twelve sacks that game, it's ridiculous. Like 
the Baltimore Ravens defense is very good. I think it's one. I think it might have been maybe the number one ranked defense, or it's up there as one of the best defenses in the league right now. Cam Newton led his team against the Ravens. They won the game thirty six to twenty one. Proud of Cam. Cam in that game, he went twenty one of twenty nine. Two passing touchdowns and 52 yards rushing and one rushing touchdown. You know that looked good on my fans team. My fans team is looking right. <laughs> Cam, this year, he's looking like that MVP quarterback again, man. His team is 5-2 and two right now. He's playing great. He's very he's a lot more efficient with the ball. His passing, like, he's not the same Cam that was just, like, wasting his passes, just throwing, like, wild. He's wildly inaccurate. He still can be inaccurate, but I feel like this year he's cleaned that up a lot. This year he has a completion percentage of 66.4. And his career completion percentage is 59%. So he's making a great improvement on his completions. And he's make, he's being more efficient with his passes, and I really appreciate that. I think Cam, I think he's one of the earliest. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, is, he's leading MVP votes. But I think if Cam keeps up this play, he could win MVP again this year, like. And he gets his team to the playoffs. Like I really do feel like Cam can win it again, especially if what's name is able is tails off in the season. If Patrick Mahomes stats start to like wane, and they're not, he's not getting four touchdowns a game anymore, and he's not, he doesn't have the crazy numbers by the end of the season. And Cam Newton is right there behind him, and his team has a good record. I'm not mind giving Cam the MVP trophy again. Like Cam is really proving himself again. And I feel like after his MVP season, we saw him like regress a little bit, and it kind of disappointed me because I saw that Sean Watson, I see Russell Wilson, I see them like progressing, and I and I want that from Cam because I feel like Cam could be better than both of them because Cam can run the ball. He's he's a big body, he has a big body, and he can throw the ball, but he just needs to be more accurate. That nigga Deshaun Watson though, oh my goodness, that nigga's amazing, man. Deshaun Watson, if if he plays like the way he played on that Thursday night, oh my goodness, Deshaun Watson could be one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best to ever do it. Because Deshaun Watson, let's be real, he was um, Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes became like what he is right now. Deshaun Watson was lighting this league up, and if he figured it out again, like he you could tell in the beginning of part of the season, he was trying to figure out like his knee, like get it all straightened out, and then. Get back into his rhythm from where he left off last year, man. Like, let's let's be real. Two straight national championship games, national championship games, and Nick Saban couldn't figure it out. Like, I was listening to Skip Bills. He was like six weeks. Nick Saban has six weeks to prepare for Deshaun Watson, and he couldn't figure him out. I don't know what these NFL coaches are gonna do if Deshaun Watson gonna play like the way he played on Thursday night. It's over. Like, I don't want to say it's over. Like. I really feel bad for him because that defense, if that defense was more consistent, like Jadavion Clowney, if he was more consistent, like being a disruptor, I feel like Deshaun Watson would be, he could be right up there with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the in the AFC conference. He could be right up there with those guys. Other AFC contenders is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers this week, they face the Browns. Pittsburgh Steelers always ruin, ruining Browns coaches' careers. Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Browns 33-18. After the game, the Browns fired their coach, Hugh Jackson. That's like the I, I was listening to Sports Center on Monday morning, and they said that the Browns have fired six straight head coaches in the second game 
after the, the second game they played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, every time they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, after that game, the second game, the Browns head coach gets fired. Like, ugh, I, I, I don't know. But anyway, I'm gonna, let me get back to the Steelers. Then I'll get to the Browns later, but let me go back to the Steelers. The Steelers, I think they might have a little controversy. That's not really, I don't really think it's going to be a controversy because I think this one of the players is better than the other. But let's just look at some stats from the game against the Browns. John Connor, that man, he had 146 yards rushing and five percent for 66 yards for over 200 yards for the game. Crazy numbers. I don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was supposed to return like after the bye week, but he didn't return. So it makes me think, like, all right, like, what do you do with Le'Veon Bell? If Le'Veon Bell does come back and he comes back week 10, do you sit down James Conner? Because James Conner this year has 127 um, rushes, 599 yards, nine touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and 31 receptions for 323 yards. It's not like, oh, my God, numbers. Like, wow, like earth-shattering numbers, but it's serviceable. The Pittsburgh Steelers look good this year. Like it's not like they're not a formidable team this year. They still look like a great team, but my only thing is like, would they look better with Le'Veon? And I feel like Le'Veon would take them to another notch because Le'Veon he could go line up next to wide receiver and run routes just as good as them and catch the ball. So you never know with Le'Veon, and if he comes back, if he even comes back this year, you never know what could happen with the team. But I think it will be a nice, like, two-headed monster with James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. But if Le'Veon Bell doesn't come out this year, Antonio Brown made a good point. I feel like the trade, you, as you all know, the trade deadline is coming up for the NFL. And I feel like Antonio Brown's been lobbying for Patrick Peterson to join the team. I don't think they're going to win a title with James Conner as a running back and their defense being that bad. Because you, you don't know what James Conner's going to do in the playoffs, to be honest. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm thinking like, all right, how can I better my chances to win? Obviously, if Le'Veon Bell comes back, that will be an extreme help. But how? But what they really need help on is a defensive end. So Antonio Brown lobbying for Pittsburgh Steelers to go get Patrick Peterson is a big deal because I feel like if Patrick Peterson did join that team, he could have. I think he could have that type of Dion effect where he can be that missing piece that could bring him over the edge, especially going against. I think they do have to go get a, a another cornerback. Because they're gonna have to deal with the Patriots, and they, you know they got receivers. They got Josh Gordon, they got Chris Hogan, they got Julian Edelman, Gronkowski. Like they have receivers on that team, so you're gonna have to really fight with them and duel with them this year. And if you have Patrick Peterson, you're gonna increase your chances. If you have you got Peterson and Joe Hayden, so it's gonna be really up to them what they want, what they feel is right. Trade deadline is on Tuesday, so we'll see what happens and who made some trades this season for, um, in the NFL. So the team they faced on Sunday, the Browns, like I said, they fired Hugh Jackson. They also fired offensive coordinator Todd Haley. I don't know what the hell they're doing. And they named Greg Williams as their interim head coach. I don't know what the Browns are doing. Like, you can't just make these type – you can't fire the coach and the offensive coordinator in the middle of the season – and then move the defense according to the head coach. Like, it's... Oh, the Browns are a fucking mess. Oh, Lord have mercy. And you thought they might have a little a glimmer of hope, but no. They don't have no goddamn glimmer of hope. And then Miles Garrett, his ass, he even questioned... He questioned the, the new head coach's game plan 
for the Steelers because he was like, oh, we shouldn't have deviated from what worked well for us last time. I'm like, oh, like they're not even on the same page. I don't know what is going on with that team right now. But to each his own, I'm just going to mind my business. I hope this doesn't affect Baker Mayfield. And I really feel bad for um, Hugh Jackson because he's been through a lot this year. Like a lot of people passing his family and now he's losing his job. I just hope he, he keeps his head up, keep pushing. I know, I think he didn't deserve to be fired. And that whole controversy with him saying like, oh, like I might take a play with Cody release. I didn't really, I didn't hear all the quotes. And he said that he didn't mean it that way. So I'm going to take him at his word. To be honest, if you're an offensive coordinator, he's right. Like I'm a co- I'm the coach. I have an offensive background. Why would I not go sit on some meetings and go give my input to Todd Haley on how we should run the offense of Baker Mayfield? Like he's the offensive coach. If I'm the coach, motherfucker, like I'm the coach. So if you fuck up, I'm getting fired. So guess what? We I, whether you like it or not, I'm giving you my input, and I, and it's gonna go my way or the highway because. At the end of the day, I'm getting fired, not you. If if it, things don't go right, I'd rather things not go right because of my decisions, not because someone else's decisions fucked up my opportunity. Nope. Not going to happen. So I understand Hugh Jackson, and I completely understood what him saying. Like, hey, like, I'm an offensive guy. He's he's an offensive guy. Like, I wouldn't mind giving my input and sharing my opinion on what how things should go. Hey, he's a, he's a, he is the head coach at the end of the day. He's the head coach. Like you could say he ain't win nothing. He was three thirty six and one. Terrible ass record. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's the greatest coach ever, but he was he's a decent coach. And I think put in the right situation, I believe that Hugh Jackson would win. And I feel like he was, he's head coach that embraced going to Cleveland and trying to turn them franchise around. So you gotta have people like that. I like people who are who embrace like Amari Stoudemire. Like, I know he came to New York because we were the only dumbass team that would give him the money that he was asking for. But at the same time, like, I appreciated Amari Stoudemire coming to New York and saying, like, hey, like, I want to accept this challenge of trying to win a title for the New York Knicks. And you just respect stuff like that. And I think Hugh Jackson did the same thing with Cleveland. Like, he, like, he knows Cleveland sucks as a franchise, but he came there trying to make a change and make everything better. And it didn't work out. Hopefully he lands on his feet. Salute to Hugh Jackson. And I respect him. Now let's get into some fantasy news. My team, I'm, by the way, I'm winning again. I'm 7-1 now in fantasy. But a person I do want to touch on is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, don't ever. If, if it was a close-up match between me and the person I was facing this week in my fantasy um, league, I'll be really pissed off at you for not scoring that touchdown with 59 seconds left. I understand why he did it because you didn't want to give Aaron Rodgers the ball back. I wouldn't want to give that nigga the ball back either because you know that nigga might score or get a field goal. So I understand it. But next time, score the goddamn touchdown. But Todd Gurley, you Nick, man, I can't be mad at you long because you, Cam, all you guys are just, y'all really helped me out with this fantasy league. And I really, I'm really like, I'm glad I picked you. <laughs> I'm just glad I could hit you guys. But fantasy this week, Philip Lindsay, he played the Kansas City Chiefs this week. He did a great job. He helped me out this week. He got 17 points. John Brown disappointed me. As we know, the Baltimore Ravens face the Carolina Panthers. He did absolutely nothing in that game. Tyler Boyd, he had a big game against the Tempe Buccaneers, but that game shouldn't have been that close. That's it for fantasy this week.
Speaking of fantasy, uh, this week, Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers, who are now 3-3, three and three, faced the Detroit Pistons, who are 4-1 now. They lost their first game of the season. But anyway, Joel Embiid, he faced the Andre Drummond, his arch nemesis, and Joel Embiid had to say this. He said he owns real estate in Andre Drummond's head. This was back on Tuesday night. Here's his quote. I think I own a lot of real estate in his head, Embiid told reporters after the Sixers' 133-132 loss to the Pistons. We lost, so I'm not supposed to talk trash, but he knows damn well that he can't guard me, but that was a team effort. You know Blake Griffin had a good game, and they were able to pull it off, so we got another one tomorrow. We got to do a better job. I don't know if he owns real estate in the man's head, but I do know Arn Jordan clapped back and he was like, oh, my team got the window, and that he was a little, he was a little actor because Embiid got um, Andre Drummond thrown out the game because Embiid decided to flop, which it was a flop, Embiid. Like, you don't, you don't need to do all that. Like, I know your team was losing, but you didn't have to, like, flop on the ground just because they were losing just to get try to gain an advantage. Like, that was I was kind of weak. I was kind of mad that he did that. Like, don't do that, Embiid. Like, you should be one. You're one of the people I would expect to be like, oh, I want to beat them at their best. And the fact that you flop like that to get him out the game, then to celebrate getting him out of the game, it was. I didn't really like that. But on the other side, the Pistons. I'm really liking what I've seen for the Pistons this year. I feel like Dwayne Casey's gonna be able to turn this team around and get them on the right track, bring back that like gritty. Feeling to Detroit, like if you got Drummond and Blake Griffin on the same team, I feel like those two can really play well off each other. Especially since Griffin is more like a point forward, like at this stage of his career, and he could distribute the ball. That'll be great. And plus, um, Reggie Jackson's on that team. Ish Smith, like though, like Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre, and that's the core of that team. If they're able to like really. Showcase their talent and really like live up to their potential. I really feel like Detroit can make some noise in the playoffs this year, but we shall see. I'm not gonna like say no or say yes because I don't know. I have to see, still develop their game and still show what they can be in the future. But Blake Griffin in that game against the semi he scored a career high 50 points. And and I was really surprised about that because I've never seen Baker. I was not not that I'm surprised. I was just like, I was like, oh, like I didn't know Baker Griffin was like was assertive like that. If Baker Griffin can be that alpha in that team and really like step up into that leadership role, I really feel like he could be a better player. Because Baker Griffin is not a bad bad player. It's just that he doesn't live up to his potential. I feel like he needs to. He improved his game because he started shooting jumpers. He became more of a point forward. He wasn't just the athletic guy dunking everybody, but I feel like he needs to learn that post-up because that jumper's not always going to fall. So you need to get a post-up game to, like, supplement your jumper. And I feel like he doesn't have that. Like, his post-up game is, is leaves a lot to be desired. I'm not saying it's like um, Dwight Howard, but his post-game is not no Hakeem either, so... It's really up to um, Blake Griffin and how he wants to proceed in his career to me. Another team this week that 
finally got a win. Oh my goodness, my Oklahoma City Thunder. My Oklahoma City Thunder is really pissing me off because they make my position really look bad of what I thought about the Thunder this year. The Thunder should be. I know Russ Westbrook missed the first two games, so I'm not really trying to judge them off those of that. I'm just think about everything, everything in totality. The fact that they were winless after Thursday's game against Boston really like really irked me because that they had that game won. They just didn't execute down the stretch, especially Russell Westbrook, man. Russell, he needs to learn how to like play in control, play within the confines of the offense. He doesn't play with any basketball IQ sometimes. He just plays and plays. He doesn't actually think through the things that he's actually trying to do on the court. He doesn't think it through. This man shoots way too many threes. And whatever happened to Russell Westbrook's pull-up jumper? Like, he would dribble down the court, stop on the dime, and shoot that pull-up jumper whenever he dribbled down the court. Like, I've rarely seen that now. And that whole last game maybe was because of his knee, that all his shots were just, when he shot it, they were all hitting off the front of the rim. It's like, that. that's a clear sign you have no legs or you're tired. And look, he looked tired. And it's just like, Russ, like, you can know, like, damn, like, my shot's not going. Let me let me do something else to try to help the team. He doesn't do that. And it irritates me because you know, because Russ is a better player than that. When he wants to, he can be that guy that, oh, he can get you 25, 10, and 10. But he doesn't always play like that, which is upsetting because you know he's a better player than that. And he just either plays on his competition or he just, sometimes he just gets erratic with it and he doesn't really look at the situation. He feels like, like I'm the best player. I got to lead this out of this, this dump, even though I'm the one with the dump too, because I'm just playing like garbage, tra- playing like trash for the day. So that's his Westbrook, in my opinion. OKC, they just need more shooters around Westbrook and Paul George as well. It's not only on Westbrook. I know Paul George hasn't been the most efficient like shooter this year. I think he's shooting like 39%, which is terrible. Like, Paul George needs to pick that up. But I think what will help both Paul George and Russell Westbrook is if they got another shooter. Like, go get Kyle Culver since Kyle Culver is on Cleveland, and Cleveland is fucking Owen, Owen Sitz, and they just fired um, their coach Tyron Lue, which I don't agree with, but... If I'm tired of them, I wouldn't get the fuck out of there anyways. Cleveland, and then the team sucks. That's those, those are the two worst things. So, anyway, like I said, I would get Kyle Culver. That's the only real shooter I could think of right now. There's obviously more shooters out there, but the best shooter I could think out there that might be available at this present time is Kyle Culver because Kevin Kyrie suck. So, <laughs> why well, keep on Kyle Culver if, I, if the team sucks? When Kyle Culver is your leading scorer, that's how you know you suck. Like, when the hell does Kyle Culver ever lead a team in scoring? You know you suck when Kyle Culver is your leading scorer. But that's just me. I'm just sharing my opinions. Okay, see, even though they need a shooter, they finally got their first win against the Suns this past weekend. And yes, I know it is the Suns. So I'm not really putting a lot of stock into the win. But at least they got a W in the win column. That's all I'm focused on. I hope they just keep on this path because I just feel like they need shooters. In order for them to really win, I think they just really need some more shooters on the floor so they can space everything out. They can, like, if they if they do a pick and roll with um, Adams, Russell Westbrook and Adams, they, the defender can't, like, cheat off of one of, like, the other players on the court, say Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson's not hitting that jumper. And he's not making people respect the fact that he can't the jumper. That just clogs everything up for Russell Westbrook and Paul George. So 
They just need more players that stretch out the floor and they'll be able to supplement their game better. Because right now, I predicted the Oklahoma City Thunder will make it a Western Conference Finals. But watching Oklahoma City Thunder, the only way they're going to win is if Russell Westbrook and Paul George play great. And we all know Paul George ass don't play great all the time. Playoff P is non-existent sometimes. He don't show up when it matters most. And it's just like, what is OKC going to do? I want them to win a title, but at the end of the day, the only way they're going to win a title is if they're more diverse. And it's not only about Russell Westbrook and Paul George. They need other pieces around them. Like, I like, I like Nerlens Noel as, like, a backup center. I like Steven Adams as a center. But they need more shooters. Like, go get um, Patty Mills, another shooter. Like, they just need shooters. But we'll see if it will happen in the future with the team. Golden State. Oh. God, Golden State is destroying people right now. They're now what seven and one at this night. And just so you guys know, on Monday, Golden State played the Chicago Bulls, and this man, Kalei Thompson, I and the crazy thing is, I literally thought that thought about this in the morning. I was thinking to myself, like, hey, last time Kalei Thompson goes off in a game, he scores like sixty points in three quarters. Like Steve Kerr got to leave this man in, especially this year. Like, like there's no real competition in the league. They need to like have fun with it. Let Clay just go off for the day. And they did that. Clay Thompson hit 14 to 24 threes against the Chicago Bulls on Monday. And I was impressed. He had 52 points through three quarters. And it's just like, damn, like when are they gonna let this man just like go off and see what he can actually do? I don't wanna face the fucking Golden State Warriors, man. It's fucking ridiculous. Steph Curry, he's going off this season. Let's read some stats. He's having 33.9 points per game. Five rebounds and five points hits assists. And he's shooting 52% from the field and he's shooting 51% from three point lane, three point range. What the fuck is that? 52% from the field and 51% from three. And Steph Curry, all that nigga takes is threes. So take those stats and do what you want. But I'm telling you, Steph Curry, all that nigga shoots is threes and he's shooting 51% from three point line this year. It's ridiculous what this man is doing. It's ridiculous. He's literally the guy, um, Timo, from um, Coach Carter, the guy that just comes down, shoots the ball, and he'll just smile on your face and walk right past you. Like, what he, like, what Steph Curry did to those Washington Raptors, Washington, Washington Raptors, what Steph Curry did to those Washington Wizards, when he just looked at them after he hit that shot and they just looking up at him, that is the most embarrassing pitch I've ever seen in my life. Don't you ever let some man look down at you like you beneath him and you just look up at him like he's some type of god. Come on now. They have to have a little more fight. Stand up, get in his face, and go back and forth with him. Even if you know you suck. Go back and forth. Don't matter. God, it don't matter. But going back to my Golden, the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors, they did face my Knicks. They beat the Knicks 128 to um 100. I think that was, yeah, 128 to 100. The Knicks, again, the Knicks, like, they show promise because they were in that game for the most part. And then they kind of lost at the end when fucking Kevin Durant came in and started going off, hitting every fucking shot he could think of. So it was a closer game than people might have thought. They made Golden State, like, work a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just want Kevin Durant. Is fucking amazing. Steph Curry is fucking amazing. And then Klay Thompson is amazing. It's really difficult to beat this team because they got three fucking bona fide scores that can just go off at any point in time. 
And it's just, you just got to withstand it. You got to just have the fortitude to just withstand it. And KD in that game against the Knicks, he went 17 to 24 from the field, three, five for nine from three point range, 41 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. This man Durant went off. And you know why I think he went off? Because he had that dumbass statue you had to look at. Because those that terrible artist wanted to make that ugly ass statue. Why the hell did that not a statue, but it was a billboard? I'm like, first of all, they make KP much taller than not much taller, but he made him look bigger than Kevin Durant. As a Knicks fan, I don't want the Knicks like lobbying to get anybody. Like, I want you to come to this because you want to be a net, not because we lobbying for you. Fuck out of here. No. And if you're gonna lobby, if you're gonna kiss ass, why don't you make a better painting than that ugly one they try to put up of Kevin Durant and Porzingis? That was an ugly ass painting. Come on now, they could have made a better drawing of that, and it was half ass. If you're gonna beg and growl for the man, at least do it in an A one type of way. Come on, man, A one. Your your pitch has to be A one if you're gonna try to do that. But of course, the Yank- the Knicks fans didn't do that. Oh God, man, really can't believe it. But like I said. I don't even know what to say. I'm just really upset that my Knicks Knicks fans are really embarrassing us and making us seem like desperate for Kevin Durant. No, we're not desperate for no Kevin Durant. The team is playing well. I feel like they're going to keep progressing throughout the year. If Tim Hardaway Jr. can develop until number one or even a solid number two, I'm happy with the Knicks season. And that's all I care about. And Ian's cancer comes back. I'm happy with the Knicks season at the end of the day. One crazy-ass news this week that really like almost like I had to stop what I was doing was that the Houston Rockets offered four first round picks for Jimmy Butler. What? For Jimmy Butler for first round picks? And then I was looking at TV and after the news was announced and the jump, they were talking about like which players would you trade for first round picks for? Let's let you know, I'm not trading no four first round picks for no Jimmy Butler. But for the Houston Rockets, I understand what they're trying to do because those first round, four first round picks are worth it if Jimmy Butler comes on the team and they're able to defeat the Golden State Warriors. I don't think that's going to happen, but I get where the Houston Rockets are coming from. But going back to the jump, and I'm talking about players that you would trade four draft picks for. And I was thinking to myself, they mentioned, of course, they mentioned the, the consensus picks. Everyone was like, yes, it was LeBron. KD, Greek Freak, Steph, Kawhi, and AD. Those are the ones that they all agreed, yes, I would trade four picks, four first-round picks for this person to join my team. Now, this is when it got a little bit of hairy. Then someone brought up James Harden. I believe Steven Jackson, he said, or not Steven Jackson, Paul Pierce, he said no. The other person I was there and Rachel Nichols, she said yes. They both said yes. I was like, James Harden, will you get four picks for him? And I was like, you know what? Like everyone has a different opinion, so I'll leave it, leave it at that. And then they brought up Russell Westbrook, and they said no. Basically, all of them said no. I'll do it for three, but not four. I was thinking to myself, so you would you wouldn't do it for Russell Westbrook, but you would do it for James Harden. When has James Harden ever showed up in the playoffs? Don't worry. I'll- I don't remember James Harden ever showing up for the playoffs. Ever. I don't remember him ever having a good like like showing having a signature moment in the playoffs. He doesn't have one. James Harden usually shrinks in the playoffs. 
So, me, I don't know if I'm trading four picks for James Harden. I'm not saying I would trade four picks for uh, Russell Westbrook, but why won't people change, trade four picks for Russell Westbrook? One, definitely because of needs, but I think it will be more to do with, like, I don't know if you will mesh well with my players and if you'll be able to win a title. So, you think you can win a title with James Harden, even though James Harden doesn't show up in the playoffs when you need him the most? That's when it really got me angry because I'm feeling like, hey, yes, James Harden is the league MVP, but at the same time, I feel like push come to shove, I'd rather have Russell Westbrook on my side than James Harden. Even if James Harden scores 40 and, like, and the other team beats me, I would still rather have Russell Westbrook, a guy that plays his heart out, a guy that is going to get is possibly gonna get you a triple-double every single night he's on that court. I'd rather have him on my side than have James Harden on my side. That's me. I think a lot of people feel the way I do. So, Since we were just talking about James Harden, let's move on to a, well, I could say a team, but let's really move on to a person that chose just as much as James Harden in the playoffs. And you guessed it, my nigga, Clayton Kershaw. Oh, Lord, man. If you don't know, if you're living on a rock, the fucking Boston Red Sox, they won the World Series. I told you, Boston better get their ring now because next year, Yankees are coming back. But moving on, moving on. I'm not going to talk about the Red Sox for too long. You know I don't like the Red Sox. But playing Kershaw, man, this man chokes. He choked. I don't want to say the Dodgers choked, but Clay Kershaw choked. And I think where the Dodgers lost the series was game four, man. They lost the series in game four. When Rich Hill was on the mound, he was dealing. Rich Hill was dealing in that game. And in the sixth inning, I think it was either sixth or seventh inning. I think he went sixth inning, so it must have been the seventh inning. Seventh inning. He had, he got a strikeout, and he walked the guy. So it was a guy on first. And then Dave Roberts takes him out, puts another lefty in to face a lefty. I was like, why don't you just leave Rich Hill in to face that lefty? Like, Rich Hill was dealing in that game. He was dealing. Like, I would have trusted him. All right, Rich, let me like let me see what you can do against this last batter. And then I heard a rumor that Rich Hill told Dave Roberts that he was dealing, so keep an eye on him. Because like, he wanted to stay in the game longer. I guess Dave Roberts took that took that. And thought he meant, like, keep an eye on him because he doesn't know how much long he could go. But Rich Hill said he's told him, like, keep an eye on him because he's dealing and he wants to stay in the game. I don't know what happened, but I don't think they just look Rich Hill out the game. They put the other pitch in, the lefty to face. I don't remember who he faced, but he faced another lefty on the Boston Red Sox. And he walked him. Then they took him out, brought... Um, Madsen in, and he gave up the whole goddamn game after the Dodger up 4-0. They lost that game 9-6. It was just a terrible game. After that, I will be deflated, too, because they should have kept Rich Hills behind in. Game 5, they got ran out the building. Not ran out the building. Fucking David Price came in. And what's his name pitch? Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is terrible, man. He is, I don't even know what to describe him as. He's looking like a, he's reminding me of James Harden. He don't show up when the moment matters most, man. He really doesn't. In the regular season, he could do all these moves. He can drip behind his legs, James Harden. And Clayton Kershaw could to strike all the people out in the world. He could look like the most dominant pitcher ever in the regular season. He's, But he's not. In the playoffs, he's terrible. Terrible. He gave up a home run in the first inning. He went seven innings. Seven hits, four on runs, five Ks, three home runs. 
Clay Kershaw, man, I don't, th- I don't know if the Dodgers can win if he's their best pitcher. If I think the Dodgers will win when he becomes, like, maybe their second best pitcher. Maybe if Walker Buehler. Rich Hill looks like Walker Buehler and Rich Hill need to be the aces on that team. They need to be the ones that they pitch multiple times in the postseason. From now on, Clay Kershaw, he only gets one outing in the in each series because that nigga is, cannot be relied upon to win you, to be the... Ace. He's not the ace. He cannot be the ace. And you want to talk about one of the best pitchers of our generation? I think Madison Bumgarner was better than him. I don't know if we can still do it now because he had a he had a down year last year, and of course the Giants weren't that good. But I think Madison Bumgarner was a, is a better pitcher to me than Clayton Kershaw because he does it in big moments. It's the same argument people had with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady because you know Peyton Manning didn't get it done in the playoffs either. I don't. You can't even compare Ken Kershaw to Peyton Manning because these Peyton Manning has some rings. The only person I think you compare him to is James Harden. Those two just haven't shown up in the playoffs at all, at all. And you just hope that Ken Kershaw figure it out, just like his opponent, the opposing pitcher did, David Price in Game Five. Look, David Price this postseason. He, of course, he started off bad against the Yankees. And he had a, another bad game against the Astros, but game, but since the closeout game against the Astros, where he pitched, he's he has twenty four and two thirds innings, ten hits and three runs. That's what he's given up: ten hits and three runs in twenty four and two thirds innings. David Price, he showed up this all, he showed up this um playoff run, and I'm and I, I obviously I'm not happy, but I'm actually I am happy for him because he had a tumultuous year, and he was people were on his behind because he was like. Like not living up to his contract, so I'm glad for David Price being able to get over that and get over that hump. It kind of reminded me of A Rod when he finally got over the hump in the 2009 playoffs for the Yankees. Like he was always doing bad in the playoffs. Then that one playoff run, he finally showed up and he finally got it together. After that, he really never like did anything else again. But at least he had that one playoff run. David Price, we'll see if he could do it again in different in multiple years to come forward. Like he's turned the corner. Or if it was just this one postseason, it was just like a miracle. Because it seemed like Boston was like on a miracle ride. And I'm, that's why I'm not really too upset about the Yankee, about Boston winning. I'm upset because I'm mad that the Yankees didn't win, of course. But I'm not too upset because the Boston was the best team this year. You got to give it, you got to tip a cap to the best team in the, in the league. So you got to just tip a cap to them. All thing I'm mad about is the fact that Yankees only won like two titles since 2000. I think in 2000 and 2000, and they lost 2001. They lost in 2003. They won in 2009. They only won two titles this decade. The freaking Boston Red Sox think they won like four or five titles in the last ten years. They won like four. It's ridiculous. Well, Yankees need to step their game up. I know Boston only has nine titles and we have 27, but. It matters what you've done for me lately. And the Yankees, they have a good roster. Next year, I hope they, they got to show up that pitching staff. And if Clay Kershaw becomes available, do not pick that nigga up. Do not. Because if he can't pitch in L.A., imagine what he'll be like in New York. Niggas will kill him in New York if he ever pitched that way for the Yankees. He's worse than... Well, actually, yeah, he's worse than Sonny... No, he's not worse than Sonny Gray. Because Sonny Gray don't even do it during the... During the regular season, Sonny Gray choked in the regular season before we even got to the playoffs. So he'll be worse than Sonny Gray because you'll he'll get your hopes up like, oh my God, Kane Kershaw, he's dealing this year. I can't wait. He's finally gonna turn that corner in this postseason, and he's not. He's gonna do the same stuff he always does. He's gonna choke. I, like Clint Kershaw, I don't know, man. 
I really don't know. But the MVP of the World Series was Dave, um, Steve Pierce. I thought personally it should have went to David Price. Like I just said, he had 24 and two-thirds innings since the ALCS. He only gave up 10 hits and three runs. And the two starts, or the three appearances he had, he was lights out. I think in game five, the closeout game, he went seven innings, three hits, one on run, and five Ks from David Price. He definitely deserved the MVP, at least like co-MVP, because he he showed out in this postseason. He showed out, and he was one of the like he's a big reason why they won because they had another ace in him. Like they it was you pay him like an ace, and he played like an ace finally. So that's another good thing. But on game four, going back to game four. Like because I really don't like watching baseball, I watch it here and there, and I saw, I saw what happened in that game. But I was flipping back and forth between the boxing match that Danny the Miracle, Miracle Man Jacobs had on Saturday night. He was facing. Um, don't get mad at me because I do not know how to say these people's names. But um, his name is Sergey Dermachenko. It was a good fight. It went twelve rounds. Um, Danny Jacobs knocked him down in the first round, and that's kind of like where the, the score difference came. And he won the fight. He won in the split decision. I think Jenny Jacobs definitely has some power. He goes to the body a lot. And I think his next opponent, I really want to see middleweight division. I really want to see him face Canelo Alvarez. Because I think he, he did give um, Triple G a great fight. And he has a belt now. He won the middleweight belt. So I think he should go against Canelo Nets. And if after and he says after he says he wants Canelo Nets. And then after if you after he wins the title, because you know he thinks he's gonna win the title. After he wins the title from Canelo, then he said he'll give another shot to Triple G. But I feel Triple G's on his last legs. He got robbed his last two fights against Canelo. First one he won. The second one, the first one was a draw, but he actually won that one. The second one was a draw, but he actually lost that one. So it was just you know boxing. They're gonna always there's always gonna be some type of controversy with boxing, and you know why Triple G lost because Triple G can't doesn't have the same money making power as Canelo, in my opinion, like Canelo has more like top-notch fights to come. Triple G, he's like 35, 36. He ain't got that many top-notch fights left in him, in my opinion, to be like a main card. And Canelo, he of course does because he's younger and like, he has just more money-making power behind Canelo. You saw he got that $365 million deal. That's at least, he's he's making minimum $365 million from that new sport, um, promotion company that he's fighting for now. So... I just want to see Canelo go against Danny American Man Jacobs Nets. And since we're finishing up with sports, let's talk about some miracles. Since we just got done talking about Danny American Man Jacobs, uh, some miracles. Back this week, he finally got. Last week, he got the lottery winner. You know, I played that lottery. You gotta play the lottery when you you, you don't have no money. You might as well put your name in the bucket. And people were saying like, oh, the lottery, like the lottery's kind of rigged. They just trying to get your money. They probably are. I'm not gonna lie. They probably really are trying to get your money. But hey. If you're gonna get the ticket, 1.6 billion. You, you gotta just throw your hat in the thing. If you win, you win. You don't. You don't. That's how I feel about the winning the lottery. So the one, the person won that lottery, the mega. I think it was the mega millions. Someone in South Carolina won the mega millions, 1.6 billion dollar um, jackpot. Lucky ass man. Lucky, lucky, lucky. But anyway, um, I don't want to get all jealous because this woman got 1.6 billion. I don't know what I would do 1.6 billion to be honest with you. Definitely buying a bunch of stuff. Not a bunch of stuff. Buying a house, paying my paying off some bills, um, paying off college. Um, because you know my college bills are fucking crazy. As long as I've been in school, it's crazy. Um, what else? And that's really it. Like 
when you have 1.6 billion, like honestly, you really don't need all that all that money. Me personally, I'm giving everyone that like my family and close people that, that's close to me, I'm giving them at least a million each. So they'll never so they'll never be able to say, oh, he never gave me anything, and they'll never want to come after me for money. So I just give them like here, take a million, it's one point. If you get 1.6 billion, you're gonna get like 9.6 not 960 billion. So 960 million, you don't really need all 100, 960 million. Like you don't I give give like 60 million, give a million to like different family members, so they'll never ask and it's never say I didn't give them anything. They can never come back and get asked or anything. So that's already taken away to have what another hundred nine hundred million left. Definitely, I told y'all, I'm making that. I'm gonna make. I will buy back Harlem from all the white people. First off, so I, don't we like we deserve to have our own personal space? But anyway, I'm not gonna say anything. Speaking of Harlem, I don't know why I'm saying speaking of Harlem when I'm about to go to the next topic. But it's about a black person, Spice from Love and Hip Hop. She she bleached her sin for a video. At first, when I didn't know it was for a video and she had some type of meaning behind it, I was really upset because this woman bleached her skin, looked like and started looking like Sammy Sosa's wife. So I was really pissed. Like Sammy, if you guys don't know, go look up Sammy Sosa. He used to be black. Now he's white as hell. And he had the same skin tone and spice from Love and Hip Hop. So I was mad. I was like, I can't believe what the hell this woman is doing. And it's funny because I was look. I went to Washington D.C. like not too long ago. And I went to the um, that museum, the African American Museum, and they were t- and they had like a little place for like they showed. Um, those creams that like actually like make your skin lighter. It was like talking about colorism. I was like, this is ridiculous. People actually buy this shit to make their skin lighter. And then we also heard about that girl who thinks she's um white. She's living in a white person's body. The first thing I thought, thought it was Uncle Ruckus when he thought he was um he had the rebuild Lago. Oh my goodness, Uncle Ruckus is the funniest character. If you don't know, he's from the Boondocks. Uncle Ruckus is hilarious. He thought he had rebuild Lago, and it's the same thing that girl. From who was on Dr. Phil, she was a black girl, teenager. She says she hates black people, thinks they're a whole bunch of other things, and she thinks she's white on the inside. And I thought of Uncle Rucker, so I immediately did not listen to her. But it's the same thing um, with Spice, but Spice actually did it for a good cause, and I appreciated what we did it for now. She did it for a video trying to talk about how um, being lighter will actually help her get roles and actually get, get put on and be popular. So I understand the message. But I wasn't going to lie. When I first saw her skin, I was pissed off. I was like, why the hell did she do this to herself? Why? There's no need. And then going back to that girl, I don't remember her name, but the one that was on Dr. Phil talking about how she's white on the inside and she white people are just better than black people. Like Charlamagne wanted to say that her prefrontal cortex wasn't fully developed. I don't care. I don't know who her parents are that lets her think this way. Because it's not, there's no way that she like went out into the world and just thought that. She had to, like, obviously learn that from her parents or learn that from somebody. And whoever she learned that from is failing her. And her parents need to change that little attitude. I don't know if they just, she's just trolling just to get some attention. But I really didn't like that at all. Moving on to more stupid news. Why? And you can call me racist all you want. But why do white people do dumb stuff like this? I don't know if you guys heard. You probably already heard. They want to make a Titanic. They're already making the Titanic 2. And it's ready to set sail in 2002. It's going to take the exact same route as the first ship. Who, what person on God's green earth is getting on a, a, a ship called Titanic 2 and taking the same route? You don't think that's like trying to test God or something like that? I'm not testing nobody. I'm not taking no damn um, 
Titanic 2 anywhere. My black ass is staying on shore, and I'm not going anywhere near the Titanic 2 in 2022. But white people have fun, because I know that you're going to be the ones that's adventurous. Like, oh my God, I want to go see those. I want to go be on the Titanic. No, no, no. Why? Why would you want to do that to yourself? Why would, like, why would you even want to, like, put yourself in that kind of type of predicament? Like, oh, it's adventurous. It's fun. No, it's not adventurous or fun. What's fun about being potentially killed on the same route? Like, I know there's the, the ice. There's no more glaciers anymore, which is sad because of climate change. But still, I don't want to be taking the same route as no ship where dead people, where people died. I'm not taking the same route. I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Just not going to happen. Waitress. I don't know if you guys heard about the waitress that got a $10,000 tip and she split the tip. She split that $10,000 tip with her coworkers and only took home $800 coworkers. My fellow coworkers I've had in serving, I'm telling you this right now. And you probably already know this. If I get a $10,000 tip and if I choose to split it with you guys, trust and believe I'm keeping at least half of it. I'm taking $5,000 for myself. And y'all can split the five. Y'all can split the other half, five thousand. If I'm gonna be nice and share the ten thousand dollar tip, I'm taking half because I did have I did most of the work taking care of that table. And I'll give five thousand for the rest of the, everyone else to split. No problem. But to split the whole ten thousand and only take home eight hundred, y'all crazy. She crazy. She and people people saying under the comments. I saw I saw this on, in the shave room. Shave room or um, what's that other thing called? Baller. I don't remember which one I saw though. But I saw people in the comments saying, oh, like, um, blessings will come to this person. Okay. The blessing was the $10,000. She just gave blessings to other people. No, thank that you can still give blessings, but not give up all your money. Like, I don't understand why you have to bless people with all the, all your money. <laughs> like, you can still keep, all right, I got a $10,000 tip. I'm going to keep 5000 and we can split the rest we can still split the rest unless it was a pooled house. If it was like a pooled house and you had to pull your tips, which I fucking hate, by the way, I don't like pooling my tips because what if one person sucks and they're not and they're not pulling their weight and I'm doing all I'm taking all the big parties and stuff like that and making all the goddamn money. And I have to pull the tip. But that's a different story. That's a different. That should be my step. That should be my step to service tip of the week. But that's a different story. We'll think about that <laughs> anyway. Um, but a waitress, you have ten thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, man. I would not split ten thousand. Like we could split. I keep five. Like I said, I keep five. Yeah, I could split five, and that'll be totally cool. But she's a nice person. Salute to her. Hopefully that she does get a blessing because that was a nice. That was a kind gesture, and I salute her. Me, I wouldn't do that. I think the most tip I ever got. Um, what was the most tip I ever got? I think it was like from. It was probably working at a party, like a five hundred dollar tip. But it wasn't just me, so I had to split tips, so like two fifty. But I've had big tips as well. Like, oh, actually, I made three hundred once off one table off a party. I was working at um a burger spot, five napkin. I was working a party. We had to come in on that day off, and the restaurant was closed, and we had to um it was three of us, and we it was me and my friend, and we all were um yeah we were all working the party, and we had to split the check, we had to split the bill, cause the guy gave us like I guess like. 300 each I think it was 300 each and we did a good we had a good night it was a good day we made that much off one party and the restaurant was closed just for that party so I was happy with it <sighs> moving on moving on moving on I don't know if you guys saw Vogue apologized for posting a picture of Kylie Jenner with an afro 
when when are we gonna stop letting these Kardashians like try to appropriate our culture? It's culture appropriation. Like I know that's why they apologize for it because Kylie like they're like to me to me I wouldn't be mad about that, but at the same time it's just like damn they always trying to take hairstyles from us. First of all, her afro looked terrible. Looked terrible. I didn't like her little afro. It's not a real afro. She they just blew her hair out. But I'm sick of seeing the Kardashians get credit for like let's you know people gonna start crediting um, Kylie Jenner for like making afros popular. No, that's a black people thing. Stop. Just like they try to take braids, they, then they try to take do rags. Like how you gonna do? And by the way, do rags. Please stop wearing. Please, black people, stop wearing do rags outside the house. Stop doing that. Like who? Like who taught y'all that I could just walk around with do rags on your head and think it's cool? Like I don't understand. Like you can't be walking around in public with do rags. Like what you gonna do when you actually get a job? You gonna wear a do rag around the house? Do rag to the job? No, you can't do that. But anyway. I'm sick of the Kardashians taking things from black people and then making it making it seem like they invented it or made it popular and cool. No, no, you didn't. You took a trend, you took something that black people that have done their whole lives, braids, cornrows, and try to make it yours. Like, come on, you can't be you can't be appropriating the culture like that and then not giving credit and trying to change the name of the hairstyles. No, you can't do that. You can't. Whew. But let's get into some some sad news. I know. We had a couple of things that happened this week. I wanted to send prayers out to the people in Pittsburgh, um, the Jewish community in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you guys heard. It was a mass shooting. In, well, of course, you guys. You should have heard. Mass shooting in Pittsburgh on the Pittsburgh synagogue, killing 11 Jewish people during during service. Uh, I don't know what to say. The world is just it's a crazy-ass world right now. It's a lot of things going on. And I don't even want to make a joke about it or anything like that. But with this and then the, also with Caesar Sayak, him sending the explosive device to 14 people across the country. So, and some of the people, some of the targets were the Obamas, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Robert De Niro, all people that Trump doesn't like. And this guy that shot up people in the synagogue, it was just he was a, like a basic anti-Semite, obviously. But. It is scary because a lot of the stuff that's going on in the, in the world right now and the elections are coming up. And that really, those two instances right there is, is enough. We need to like really get out and vote, right? Next week, the sits, everyone needs to just go out and go vote <laughs> on Tuesday. And I don't care who you're voting for. If you're voting for Trump and you believe in Trump, by all means, I can't. I, I, I don't understand it, but. I respect I respect your position, but if you're voting for if you don't like what's going on in the country right now, you want to see a change and want to see a difference. Definitely go out and vote because these two things right here that happened with Caesar Sayoc last week and what happened with the shooting in the um, Pittsburgh synagogue, it's clear because a lot of things they say, a lot of the rhetoric people are saying these two cases are having is basically what Donald Trump has been wanting, like. What has been wanting, and I read a, a thing, I read a, a post that said that this after the shooting, Donald Trump played Pharrell's song "Happy" during a rally. I'm like, like after he mentioned the rally, he played the song "Happy." Like, does Donald Trump think about what he's doing? Like, like you have you like you can't think that's okay to play "Happy" after finding out that 11 people got shot and. In an act of terrorism. That's an act of terrorism. Shooting these people in a synagogue while they're praying. 
And this guy plays happy. I'm happy that Pharrell decided to um, sue him because, like, I wouldn't want to be associated with that either. And you're slandering my name, playing that goddamn, playing my song during a rally after you just announced that 11 people got killed in a mass shooting. And I don't want to make a joke about this, but I swear to God, that um, emergency service alert thing that happened, I'm so afraid that, and I don't, like, this is just a theory, and it's not like me being being serious. It's me being serious, because I really do, like, it's a cynical view. But that emergency service thing, I really feel like if you could test all of us, you don't, you don't think that Donald Trump could test individual people and incite in, individual things inside of people? Like, what if, I'm not trying to say Donald Trump, insinuate that Donald Trump said, oh, somebody needs to do this or somebody needs to do that. But look at the rhetoric he has at his rallies. Where do you think people got, like, the guy CSA out? Basically, all the people that he targeted is all the people that Donald Trump doesn't like. And Donald Trump doesn't say anything bad about people like anti-Semite. He doesn't say anything bad about Nazis or any anything bad about them. So I'm not saying he's condoning. Well, he is condoning because he doesn't ever like condemn them. So what like you're basically saying it's okay to do what you're doing. It's not right. It's not right at all. And I don't appreciate Donald Trump right now. And I just think everyone just needs to go out and vote. Let's go on and vote, especially right now, because it is the midterms and these matter more, way more than elections. The presidential elections affect us nationally. The midterms affect us locally. And we can we can make a change because if we get control of the Senate and the House of Representatives, that's when we can make a difference. We can't make a difference with with the presidential elections because, yes, the president, like being a president is a big deal. But you have to have the House and the Senate because that's where, have, where most of the power comes from. So. I just feel like we need to get out and vote. And these two situations with Caesar Sayak and the people in Pittsburgh, like those are prime examples why we need to like take it seriously. Especially kids around my people around my age, young adults, get out there and go vote, please. And stop if you whatever you believe in, just go out and go vote. Like obviously, Trump people, I don't want you to really go out and vote, but I respect your right to go vote. So express it. But everyone else, people who want to see a change, who are tired of like what's going on right now. Like, just go out and try to go vote. And on a lighter note, let's try to get a little happiness into this, into this, into it now. So it's going to end on a positive note. Um, Diddy opened up, P. Diddy, um, Sean Combs, I'm not calling this man Diddy. Um, Sean Combs, he opened up his third charter school right here in the Bronx. It's called Capital Prep Bronx. Um, he also has two other charter schools um, in Bridgeport and, and in Harlem. That's what we need more of, opening up schools, educating the youth, and, like, giving them different opportunities. I know a lot of these charter schools, they get a lot of, like, different... Like, I wish I got went to charter school when I was younger. Like, they get a lot of perks. They get... They have, like, more technology. They get to go on trips. They get to do different things. They just... They have more opportunity in these charter schools, especially when they're funded by people like Diddy, and they have a lot of backing. They have better schooling. So, I appreciate Diddy and what he's trying to do for the community, and... I'm proud of them. So, Capital Prep Bronx. I don't know if y'all guys want to go go to school. We yeah, actually check on check up on information if you if you want your kids to go there, or if you're interested about it. So, or learning more about it, just check on the internet. All right, what's next? The step to service tip of the week. I think I might go back to what I said earlier. Step to service tip of the week. Pooling. This is this is for this is for um restaurants across the. This is for managers. Managers, set the sort of tip of the week. Managers, please stop with this pooling stuff. Like pooling is not fair to me. Like I get it. Some some servers are not may not make the same amount of money as other servers, and that does suck. But what are the servers just not as good as the other server? And they like they're just not as personal with the other server. Then 
someone else. Like you, like, you can't punish me because I'm a good servant. The other person is not. So now I got to split my money with them. And then we making the same amount of money and I do way more work than that person? Nah. But don't get me wrong. There's some instances where they may make more than me and maybe I want their money. But at the same time, I don't because I didn't earn it that night. If I earned them, if I earned, I'd like to know what I earned. But don't make me share my tips with anyone else. That's just how I feel. Don't make me share my tips. It's my tips. Don't make me share that's how I feel. That's the service tip of the week. Restaurants, stop with this pooling stuff. Unless you have a bunch of bad servers who just don't give a fuck about each other. Then you pool. That's when you start that pooling stuff. You threaten a server and say, hey, if y'all don't start showing some teamwork, I'm going to start pooling your tips. And then y'all going to have to start showing some teamwork. I guarantee they start showing some teamwork. <laughs> but other than that, stop pooling tips. I hate pooling tips because it's unfair to servers. Unfair. Because some servers suck. Other servers are good. Especially some the ones that are more personal people and that they get people to like actually like want to come back. Like those servers deserve to keep the money that they earn, and not have to share with others who probably like aren't as personal and aren't as good at their job as them. So that's how I feel. Servers, I might be joining you again. But for now, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you guys you guys wanna hit me up. And discuss any of the things that are talked about today about football, baseball, even the other news from the week. Um, hit me up on Instagram at 11SOS25. Again, hit me up on at 11SOS25. Thank you guys for listening again. This is the Super Junior Podcast. Wade. Hey, y'all. Hey.